The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is up? The new and improved backdrop. Um, I'm at Buffalo Rumblings now, as you can tell, sick logo on the top. It's the first episode of AJ's, anal- AJ's Analysis. It's going to be a tongue twister to say that one all uh, season and moving forward here. But I'm so excited to finally uh, get the opportunity to have my own show, spread my knowledge, um, work with you guys. You guys can comment. Feel free to comment, share your thoughts. Um, it's, this is going to be a journey, a long ride. It's a big season for the Bills this year. I'm excited to share it all with you. RJ, I appreciate it. New background looking sharp. I really appreciate that. Um, but with that said, um, I just want to thank everybody for supporting me and getting me, getting me to this place. Um, I've always thought that I've had, you know, some knowledge and obviously the passion to do this. And now that I'm hopefully getting this opportunity moving forward and see what the future holds, I'm really excited to do this um, and share it with all you guys. Um, it means a lot to me. Um, so just a little bit about me before I get started. Um, I worked with Matt and Ryan at Syracuse.com as an intern. Actually had my own show on Zoom back in the day, uh, recorded. Not like this, nothing like this. It was terrible. Um, and, you know, I'm still learning. I've never done a show actually by myself at all. So this is my first show live doing it by myself. Um, so, you know, obviously a little bit of nerves, but, I, you know, that, that'll get worked on. What I do know is that I have, I'll have good content. I'm going to interact with you guys, and it's going to be, you know, a fun ride. Um, so I worked with Matt and Ryan, did stuff with them, produced the Shout Podcast. You guys should check that out. Then I interned over at Cover One, a great group of guys, um, very knowledgeable. I learned a lot from them. Uh, they were a really good team. And then I got an opportunity to, you know, have an ages analysis at Buffalo Rumblings. Um, it's meant the world to me. I'm very thankful for Jay Spence, Sarah. Shout out to the logo. It's been a great logo. It's really cool. Um, but with that said, I'm going to give you a rundown of kind of what we're going to talk about today. Obviously, the Stefan Diggs situation. This is going to be the one and only time I really talk about it live. I'm going to move forward after this, but I kind of want to break it down to all of you, share my thoughts on it. And then Matt Perino um, from Syracuse.com, Bill's Beat Reporter, will be joining me at 8.50 to discuss the Bill's mandatory minicamp, what's going on with the cornerback two-position battle, uh, Dalton Kincaid, Osiris Torrance, the rookies, all, all, all that fun stuff. He's going to bring some good insight and obviously give a little bit of his insight on the dig situation, what the vibe was like at mandatory minicamp all week. Um, so with that said, I'm going to start with the Stephon Diggs situation. Um, obviously, everyone knows he was excused by Sean McDermott on Tuesday morning before practice. Um, due to reasons we don't know, but they said they had conversations and felt like it was best to, um, you know, cool off or take a take a you know, take a breath and relax. 
whatever that means, we don't know. But I'm going to start with the facts. And that's what I want to start with, because there, there's a lot of opinions out there, a lot of speculation of what's going on, what's happening with it all. So I want to start with the facts, what we do know. Th this is what we do know. Um, Stefan Diggs has done this before in Minnesota for different reasons. Um, obviously, it was a contract situation. And that, that, that's that's the first fact. The second fact is he's a very good player. He's a very talented player. He makes Josh Allen better. Um, Josh Allen makes Stefan Diggs better. Um, another fact is he's changed the whole landscape, culture, um, the idea of the Bills from the national perspective. That's another thing he's done. That is a fact. Um, I got to look at a couple more of my notes. Um, he's done it at a consistent level, obviously, for many years. He's done it year in, year out. He wants to win. He has the passion. That's something that you, you can't really argue Stefan Diggs is like that. You know, that, that's who he is. Um, Sarah, thanks, guys. Tommy, what's up? Uh, sorry, I'm just responding to some comments here. Donna, how you doing? Kate, hello. Uh, Sarah, thank you. Uh, shout out to Sarah for the sweet logo. I'm going to pop this up on the screen. Uh, Sarah made Sarah made the uh, sick logo on the bottom right corner, um, which is really cool. Um, so back to, you know, the facts. You know, that, those are that's basically it. Um, that's really all we do know for certain. Now I'm going to bring you back to the Cleveland game last year where Diggs kind of had some frustrations and that's kind of where the frustration arose. Um, hello, Edward. Hello, Paul. Sorry. I'm trying to balance. This is the first time. So I'm trying to balance all this um, and get my thoughts through as well. Um, so the Cleveland game, Stefan Diggs went up to McDermott. There was a picture taken of them or the camera was put on them and McDermott was kind of cooling Diggs down. I think he had a rough outing that week and it was something that no one was overly concerned about. It was just, you know, they were in a little run offensively. That second half of that Green Bay, Green Bay game, you could tell there was a difference in the offense. They came out firing, you know, the first couple, you know, games of the year, short passes, quick passing game. Ken Dorsey was doing really well. The, the Gabe Davis game against Pittsburgh where, you know, third and 10, first drive, 98-yard touchdown. They were just phenomenal the first five weeks. And then it felt like a little rift was beginning in the second half of the Green Bay game after they put up 24 in the first half and then only managed three in the second half. Um, and I think Diggs, you know, he spoke about this, and this is the next piece of the puzzle. After the offseason, he kind of went on a podcast row and discussed everything that he's, you know, experienced as a Bill this past season. And he talked about um, that things changed at week nine. Something changed at week nine. And when you go look at the stats from week nine, you know, before week nine and then after week nine, it is clear there's something – there was something different in terms of what the offense was trying to do. Diggs wasn't as involved – um, he wasn't is involved in the offense. He wasn't getting the targets. He wasn't getting the yardage. Uh, Cover one actually put out a good tweet about the production did drop. It, it wasn't like some. He, he said week nine for a reason, um, and, and that's clear. And so that that that's how I think when it kind of started to you know the questions, the tension started to rise a little bit. And then you have you know your defense the week before the Cincinnati game puts you know lost thirty one points to Skylar Thompson. Now that 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 was never publicly you know, announces Diggs was upset about that or whatnot. But at the same time, he, you know, when your defense gives up 31 to Skylar Thompson in the playoffs, it's it's tough because it's obviously going to frustrate you with the history of the playoffs, how the defense has been historically in the playoffs under Sean McDermott. So, you know, there's a need for concern. And then obviously they laid the egg against Cincinnati. And um, the, the, the freak out on the sideline. Diggs went up, put his hands in the air at Josh, freaking out. 
Um, and, you know, that rightful, I don't think, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think you, I don't think there's a right way to do it. If you have frustration, Diggs is an emotional guy. You do it. You, you know, you do it whenever it feels necessary. You're losing 27 to 10 at home, you know, and your home field when you're supposed to be, you were the Super Bowl favorite before the year started. So obviously there's going to be some frustration there. So now we move on to the off season. Um, he left the media after the uh, Bengals game. He left the media, um, you know, without talking to any of the media after the, in the locker room after the game. Step one of like, oh, my God, this is actually going to be an issue. That, that's when I started to believe this could actually turn into something. Um, you know, and then he does the cryptic stuff on Twitter and he says things at the right time to get, you know, some of the, I think an attention kind of seeking thing. Now, that's who he is. It, it might not be about football. Um, he has a lot of other things that he does with his life. But he does say, you know, cryptic things sometimes that makes you question his loyalty. That's why he's been a topic of conversation. That's why Giants fans thought that he was going to be a bill um, at one point. I know that was, you know, outlandish and not true, but um, you know, it's still, it's still a talking point because of he is the way he is and that's fine. You know, Sean McDermott's done a great job of dealing with that um, and, and getting through to his players across the board. You, you can be yourselves. And also um, you have to, you have to respect the team. You have to be a leader. Um, and that's what, that's what Diggs has been. So, you know, the cryptic tweet stuff, whatever you can, you can blow past that. Then voluntary OTAs. Well, he's done it in the past. He doesn't show up to things that are voluntary. Um, you know, he's got a life. He loves fashion. He's been traveling the world. He, he's a very talented player. You, you, no one questions on that team, his work ethic. When he shows up, he gives it his all. Um, multiple players, Mitch Morris talked about it uh, last week or sorry, a couple of days ago. Um, there's a lot of guys that have discussed, the idea that Diggs is, you know, some crazy locker room distraction. I don't think that's true. I think his players respect him, but I think they also know who he is and understand who he is. He's not going to handle things like other guys. Um, so, so moving from that, um, so the cryptic tweeting and then, you know, going into voluntary OTAs, he didn't show up. And then finally this whole ordeal on Monday and Tuesday of this week. Now I'm going to break that down for you. Monday night, Sean McDermott said a couple of days ago that he showed up Monday, you know, Monday evening, did all his, did everything he was supposed to do, everything he was supposed to do. And then Tuesday, he comes out and says that, or Wednesday comes out and says, or Tuesday comes out and says that it was an excused absence um, and that Diggs is, you know, ready to take it elsewhere, do whatever, whatever he was doing. He was distracted, whatever it was. Um, and McDermott was really, um, adamant about being very concerned. Like he, he brought it up once. I know he brought it up once, but he was very concerned about it. It's, it made the media kind of lose their mind a little bit. Like what's going on here? Um, so after that digs, you know, they, they went their separate ways. They cooled off. It was, that was the end of it. They kind of relaxed, whatever. Wednesday happens and He's there. Everyone, you know, Bill's not here rejoice. That, that's the end of it. Um, and, you know, he's back with his team. He's posting Alan on his Instagram story today. But I want to break down, like, th there's been a lot of opinions out there, a lot of theories. And I'm going to try and, like, get to the most realistic answer for you. Um, because, you know, there, I think it's a lot of things. And I, I want to talk about that. The first thing is obviously the offense and the, offense and the scheme. Because going back to his comments last year, um, he had trouble – with the offense past week nine, which is when his target share went down and when his production went down and all that stuff. So that's the first thing. Um, it, it could be a Sean McDermott thing. Obviously, they th there must have been a conversation on Tuesday or Wednesday, or I mean on Monday 
or Tuesday morning, sorry, that upset uh, Diggs or McDermott that they had to, you know, part ways and cool off. He said it was a great conversation, but at the same time, he had to leave the building and could not practice with his team um, when he's a captain. So obviously there was something that caused that. You know, I, I don't think it's something that what the, you know, you didn't figure it out in five months narrative. I understand that, but I don't think it had really anything to do with like the last five months. I think that's enough time as, as a grown, as grown men, you should be able to have those conversations and go out there and practice. Now, obviously there, there was something that happened that caused a rift or something. So they had to, you know, part their ways. It could have been McDermott. It could have been just the way the season ended on, um, you know, that that's another thing. He was very upset about it. It could just be falling short. He wants to win. Um, just like every other guy in that locker room, he just expresses it in a way that is different than others. That, that, that's who he is, uh, and you can't fault him for that. But at the same time, he could have handled it better. Um, I, I think he has a responsibility as a leader uh, to be there. Uh, you know, voluntary, fine, but whatever's going on, at the end of the day, it was just a day. I want to move forward with it. I'm not going to talk about it again. Um but there could be a lot of things, you know, there, there's some personal, personal matters. Maybe Josh wasn't focused. There's a lot of things that could be going on. Um, and we truly don't know. The only thing we know is the facts and the facts are, is, is that Diggs is a you know really good receiver. He's going to be a bill. He's not going to be traded. And, you know, he's going to be here for until hopefully 2027. Now I will say this. Um, I don't think this whole thing is over. Um, <laughs> that, that's, I don't want to really get into it too much, but if the Bills fell short again this year and take a step back or regress or losing the wild card, I don't see Diggs being happy about that. I don't see them. I don't see him being happy about that at all. I think that could cause something next offseason. We could be in the same exact spot. Um, if they do have a good season, they win the whole thing. The defense plays good. The offense looks good. Obviously that's going to help the situation. Everything's good when you're winning. Um, but at the same time, I think it could happen, and I am worried about it. I am, just because he's, he's so special, and Von Miller talked about it at his press conference, how special that he is and all that stuff. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So it's just, it's frustrating for me because I just want, you know, when, when a team's good, I just want everything to be good. And that, and that's just not the truth. That's just not how it goes. That's not the NFL. Just because you're a good team. That was my biggest takeaway from the press conferences a couple of days ago. Just because you're an elite team does not mean there are issues inside the locker room. Great teams have great problems. 
Um, you know, Tom Brady rips apart his players on the sideline. Um, you know, Peyton Manning rips apart his players on the sideline. Uh, Aaron Quinn's had made some really good points about that in terms of putting some perspective on the situation. It's not just Diggs doing it. Now, Diggs does have a history with doing it, and I do think he could handle it better um, than he did with this whole offseason and dragging it out and whatever the conversation that was had on Tuesday morning um, that caused it. But I also, you know, see the side that Diggs is going to be Diggs, and, you know, you're just going to have to move forward. At the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. They're going to figure it out. They're going to, you know, when the week one starts uh, Monday night against the Jets, that's what that's what the, you know, no one's going to worry about this. Now, I'm you know, if the season doesn't go the way it's planned or they go through hardships or there's things that, you know, they go through, I'm kind of worried about Diggs in terms of mentally, emotionally. Can he get through that? Um, I, I don't know Diggs personally. I've never met him. I've never, you know, interacted with him, um, you know, in, in real life. I don't know his, you know, beliefs, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But at the same time, I think mentally and emotionally, a, a football season is, you know, a hard season. It's physical battles. It's, you know, going through injuries. It's, I mean, look at last year. You want to talk about last year, last year in a nutshell for the Bills is, you know, what a team can go through in a season. Now that was extreme um, because of the Demar Hamlin thing. And, it, you know, side note, it's great to see him back out on the field. I think he's going to be a great depth piece this year. He just, you know, mentally it's going to be hard for him to get back on the field and play again. That's going to be the hardest part. I think physically he's fine. And that's what they've said. It's going to be the mental part. Um, so, and the same thing with, you know, football is a mental game and Diggs has trouble controlling um, that part of his game. He doesn't have trouble running routes. He doesn't have trouble getting open. He doesn't have trouble being a leader. He doesn't have trouble, you know, he doesn't have trouble when he puts on his helmet being the best guy, you know, possible for his team every week, getting open, um, understanding leverage. You know, he does all the things you ask of him as a wide receiver one. But mentally, he, you know, struggles a bit because he wants to win so bad and he's very passionate and shows it outwardly. Um, you know, it's take the go with the bad. It's the same with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's really good, right? But he's going to take hits. He's not going to slide. He's going to he's gonna upset you with the, you know, the hits he takes, but you take the good with the bad. There's more good than the bad. It's the same thing with Stephon Diggs. And I think the coaching staff and management understand that. The players understand that. There is way more good things when you look at it in a perspective of to, you know, the total three years he's been here. There's been way more um, good things about Stephon Diggs than Josh Allen. Um or not, not, not than Josh Allen, than bad things. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, I think it gets figured out. I'm, I'm ready to move forward. Um, he's been a really good player for the Bills, and you got to outweigh the good with the bad, and there's way more good he brings to this roster than any bad that he brings. Um, you know, for future – and now that I'm off this point, for future reference, I'm, I'm going to have trouble. I'm going to have to get used to looking at comments while trying to, like, make points because I'm trying to read the comments at the same time I'm – trying to articulate my thoughts. I'll get there. Bear with me. Um, I, I do have some interesting stuff and uh, stuff that I'm want to want to get off my chest um, about, you know, just football for the rest of the year. That's what I do. That's what I talk about. Um, and yeah, Sarah, you bring up a great point that I actually forgot to mention. I think another factor that could be in this whole kind of ordeal is the Chad Hall, Brian Dable perspective. Chad Hall, Stefan Diggs in 2020 said to Marcel, Louis Jack, former Bills beat reporter at ESPN, now works with the Dolphins, that he's the best coach he's ever had. Now he's gone. 
Um, I think that affects, I think that affects the, um, you know, culture, the, you know, Chad Hall's been around. He's been a guy that the receivers love. They, they got him a Christmas present a couple of years ago. A huge truck surprised him. You don't see that often for just, you know, a wide receivers coach. Um, that, that doesn't happen often. So I think the loss of him and then obviously his guy, Brian Dable, I mean, the, the guy, he's, he's special. And, you know, I, I think Ken Dorsey, you know, weighs into this equation too, but I also don't think it's all on Ken Dorsey. Like there's got to be a, you, it's easy to blame the coach and the coaching staff for the flaws. But if you go back and watch that Cincy game, it wasn't just the coach that was the reason that game was lost. You know, there was more to it than that. It wasn't just a coach, an offensive coordinator um, that lost them that game. So there's execution on both sides of the ball. You know, the front four or the front five on the offensive line for the Bills got dominated in that game. Uh, the whole narrative before that game was that the Bills defensive line was going to dominate an injured in, uh, interior of the Bengals. That didn't happen. So when you get dominated on both sides of the ball, uh, Daquan Jones goes down with a late injury. It's hard. You know, you, you go through things as a team uh, every year. And, and it's hard when it happens at the worst time. And, you know, that's all built up frustration. That's what happens. Um, and now I see Matt Perino is in the studio. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and bring him in here. Hello, sir. How are you? Look at this guy bringing me in for a change. I like it. Look yeah, you like it. Congrats. I want to start by saying congratulations, man. Like I'm excited for your your new show, AJ's Analysis, taking off on the Buffalo Rumblings channel. Um, big things are ahead, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I upgraded obviously from the LEDs in my Brockport room. I, I actually finally have a background now with some some you know cool things. I still got to work on it, but I just kind of put it together. Um, so it's a better background now. Not not the one that I when I would come on your show when I was producing it. You know, there was people making fun of me that I was at the you know the dancing club. I was at the club dancing and stuff in the background. So I fixed that part. Yeah, you look great. Uh, and I was listening to it like about five minutes uh, coming home from baseball, obviously. So um, I was listening to the last five minutes before I got the computer set up and everything. And uh, it's like you're all grown up, man. This is uh, this is super cool. Yeah, it's, it is super cool. And uh, I want to thank you for everything you've done. Um, but let's get to it. How was the vibe at Bill's Mandatory Minicamp this week? Um, how do you feel about the big situation? Any you know, opinion on it? Um, and just, just the whole vibe, the, you know, some of the press conferences, your, your thoughts on that? I'd say, like, it was definitely a, like, a, like a noticeable stress level on Tuesday. And I think if you go back to the beginning of it and you just – how it all the week started with Sean McDermott's press conference. And, you know, that that's very um, uncharacteristic of, of Sean to come out and be uh, outwardly critical of a guy like Diggs, who's such a, a big, you know, dynamic piece, you know, in the locker room, somebody that he's leaned on as a leader. Um, whenever he's been asked about Poyer over the years, like that's another guy that I kind of put in that, that, that bucket, right? Those guys that no matter what, like you can count on them. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, he went and did another press conference because he probably realized that, you know, that was maybe a misstep. And we saw it like in the day after that, that how that day played out with the agents, uh, going to several reporters with, uh, the fact that Diggs was there. And I just felt like that really resonated over the practice on Tuesday. And then it was like this big sigh of relief on Wednesday and everything was a lot more, um, loose and you could see it in Josh Allen. Uh, from that press conference that he had on a Tuesday to, you know, 
being back out there with this guy. And, you know, obviously now with uh, the whole um, Instagram story, uh, you know, best buds again, uh, seems to be a, a, in a better spot. But again, minicamp, you know, this was probably the, the least amount of observations I've done from minicamp because it really like it, there wasn't a lot of team stuff to dive into. The indoor practice was really like uh, dialed back quite a bit. It wasn't like full speed. Like um, obviously they're not in pads. It's not uh, live yet. So it was an interesting couple of days and, you know, getting out early. That's been something that McDermott has done since he uh, has been here. Uh, and now it's all eyes on uh, six weeks from now on training camp breaks. Yeah, so you mentioned you didn't really get to take have any takeaways. So maybe this isn't a takeaway from minicamp. Maybe you can put it with like the OTAs that you've seen and just the you know the vibe that you're getting. I'm going to start with the cornerback two position because you've wrote you know in a couple of your articles about Christian Benford, <clears throat> who continues to make plays on the on the field week in week out when he's you know when they're there. How do you feel about the cornerback two position? Do you think it's you know, Kyer Elam's position to lose. I, you know, I'm kind of, I'll share my thought first. I really think it's going to be an open battle. I don't think Kyer Elam, I mean, the guy was a first round pick. I get it, but he also didn't um, start last year and Christian Benford, a six round pick got the nod. Um, so what are your thoughts on just that kind of battle and what you've seen from OTAs and anything you saw from any camp? So yeah, Benford's going to make this thing real icky uh, for the bills and their, and their defensive coaching staff, because he's such he, he embodies everything they look for in players. And it's the reason why a guy like Dane Jackson has kind of taken on this Levi Wallace role since Wallace went to Pittsburgh, where it doesn't matter how many times you're bringing guys to try to knock him out, he's going to be in the fight till the very end. I feel like you put both Jackson and Benford into that you know bucket, and then you have Kyra Elam, who is this traits guy, like first-round draft pick, has all the – you know, flair and expectations, you know, that four, three, something 40 time. Um, I, I thought Elam played a lot better last season than I get the sense that the bills think that he did. If that makes sense. Like I, I feel like from the outside looking in evaluations from fans, from media was much higher on Elam's rookie year than the bills had on his rookie year. And you see, you hear it in between the lines with the way that they talk about him, whether it be, you know, John Butler, uh, we got a chance to talk to him a couple weeks ago, whether it be Brandon Bean, even this last week, like some odd comments from him as well. I'd have to go back and dive into that thing. And it's something I'm planning to do and writing about over the next couple of weeks, because this is to me, one of the top storylines heading into um, training camp, because if Elam is not the guy, was that a failed draft pick? And we're, we're, we're at this point in the Bean era where he's starting to take a lot more heat for his draft track record. And if Elam, a guy that he traded up for after not, you know, bringing in day one, day two picks at that position for years before dating back to 17 with Tredavious White, and then finally he takes one and it's a miss, you know, that's going to be a, a concern. Now, lucky for them. You know, Benford ends up being a dude and somebody that you can hand the job over to and him and Tredavious White work in tandem and they have Hyde and Poyer on the back end and Taylor Rapp maybe uh, is the first guy off the bench. That could be a good thing. So that'll take a little bit of the steam off. But I don't think Brandon Bean's sitting there on the sidelines during training camp, you know, looking forward to the day that Kyrie Elon doesn't win this job. And I would definitely not call him the leader in the clubhouse, the odds on favorite to win the job. I think right now it is an anybody's guess for that job among those three players that I mentioned. 
Yeah, you make an interesting point. You know, I think Elam had trouble sometimes understanding where he had to be in terms of, you know, the zone. They run a heavy nickel. They, they run zone a lot. So it's hard for him sometimes to understand where he has to be. Um, being mentioned a, last week or a couple of weeks ago um, that he has trouble in practices and he needs to be more consistent. You know, I think McDermott and the coaching staff are huge on practice and being consistent and showing up. You know, Dane Jackson's a guy who's – Maybe his play hasn't been the greatest on the field, but on the practice field, he shows up, he's there, he, you know, works hard. And, and they said that he said they, they being said that Elam does that, but he just needs to be a little bit more consistent with it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's an interesting point. I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think there's a leader in the clubhouse. Um, and I think McD- or Elam will benefit from McDermott's change of the defensive style. I think he's going to play more aggressive. I think Elam, you know, he's quick. He likes to play press. He likes to be up in a man's face. He, that's what he's best at, and that's what he will likely get the opportunity to do if you know McDermott's sending six or seven and, and let, letting Trey White and Elon play on an island out there. Um, but moving on, I, I saw a comment here, uh, Sarah Christine. Speaking of Elon, is Knox okay? Uh, you know, any any news on Knox? Anything you know about that uh, situation? Just the latest was uh, he was walking around yesterday in a big, uh, you know, full leg wrap. Uh, one of those sleeves that some of the guys wear. Tommy Doyle has been wearing it uh, throughout minicamp and OTAs as well. He's coming off of that. Um, I believe it was the ACL last yeah. year. Yeah. I've misspoken on that before. I, I, I was talking about Bucker with uh, – he had the Achilles, obviously, and I, yeah. I mentioned it on a show. The ACL, got to keep it all together. Um, he was walking – he seemed like he was walking around okay. Uh, I posted a video, a little bit of a slight limp. So, you know, we'll be tracking that. He's actually going to have a – um, he's hosting his camp in Rochester, his football camp for kids this weekend. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be some type of update because it's open to the media. I wish I could go. Uh, I have prior uh, commitments that I couldn't get out of, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the Rochester media are out there uh, and are able to get a ch- chance to chat with them, get an update on where he's at. Um, we'll also see the highlights from tight end U, which he's planning to go to again this year. So if he's out there running routes, we'll, we'll get a look at that with the, with the content that they put out uh, at that camp. Okay. Sticking in the tight end room, uh, Matt, you also have written a lot about this guy, the rookie first rounder, Don Kincaid. Uh, he's another guy that has, you know, made some flash plays in camp. And, you know, he, the thing about Don Kincaid is he's just naturally gifted. And, and that's, that's the difference I think with him and Knox. Knox came in more raw. He has the, he has the athleticism. He has the talent. He can get the yards after the catch. And he, you know, he's a very good player, good blocker, willing to block. But Dalton Kincaid in terms of receiving is just naturally gifted, understanding leverage, understanding where to be in the zone. Um, I, I think you're going to see it. Like even, even in clips, you can see how fluid and smooth he is. I'm um, just from an outsider perspective. So Give me some of your thoughts on Dalton Kincaid, how he's looked. Um, obviously, the Bills traded up for him. They were interested in him. He was probably, after those four receivers off the board, he was probably the guy I wanted if the Bills wanted to go all in on offense and help, help Josh Allen. So give me your thoughts on Dalton Kincaid. Well, I will say, um, OTAs and minicamp, he's been every bit what you'd hope he'd be. Now, of course, you can't get hit yet. Um, you going over the middle, working it, operating in that area of the field. Like it's really safe for these guys right now. So, but to your point, like just the, the way that he moves and the way that he, you know, gets upfield, like in one succinct motion, like through the catch to me is what stands out. Like he, there's no waste in movements. Uh, you mentioned the fluidity, you, the transitioning from, you know, 
when you're catching passes, like you have to be an expert at directional change. And to me, that to, that to me is what Dalton Kincaid's number one trait is. He can do a lot of things. He's going to be able to win down the field. He's going to be able to work in that short intermediate area. But it's his transition from looking at the quarterback to catch the ball to then turning a field and knowing where he is, having that spatial awareness, and then also making guys miss. Like, I don't think we've talked enough about going back and watching some of his Utah stuff. Like he's really good at not only breaking tackles, but also finding open space after the catch, which is something that it's the complete opposite of Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox seeks out the contact. Like he's looking to truck stick you. Like we've seen some of the highlights from him over the year where he just, push defensive backs on their ass. And it's just like, you love that style. Like, like a hard nosed football player. I think Kincaid might compliment him really well. And maybe why the bills are so aggressive in getting him, because even in a passing game, the way that they attack defenses and the subtleties to their game are, are a little bit different. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, Paul asked Von Miller update. Um, you know, Mr. Positive Von, obviously always optimistic that he's going to be back sooner rather than later. I do think he, he'll be back, um, you know, sooner rather than later. But just an update on Von, how he's doing. I know he spoke. Any takeaways from how he's doing and where he's headed? It's same old. Um, I think he told Ryan O'Halloran, who went out from the Buffalo News, who went out to his camp, that um, he's going to be starting to work, uh, ramp up the football stuff here in the next couple of weeks. Um, he was doing the stuff off to the side, which I think is huge. Like, if you think about it, he suffered the injury in Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving last year, right? We mm-hmm. didn't see Tredavious White until training camp. So, it feels like Vaughn's a little bit ahead of schedule, which I'm not surprised. Like, he had... You know, he's been he's gone through this before, like he's getting top notch training and also what he's going to be asked to do in the in, in the in the comeback is a little bit different. Like the movements, like he doesn't have to really backpedal, which is probably you want to take a little bit more time for cornerbacks, I would imagine. Um, but he's in great spirits. And I think that, you know, he's trending in a really good direction. We'll see um, what it looks like at training camp, like if he's got a jersey on or if he's still doing some of this stuff off to the side. I mean, we're six weeks away, so I'd. If he if we show up day one, he's got a jersey on and he's like going through any type of individual work, like that is going to be massive, massive news. Yeah, I think he mentioned his plan is to try and get some. Like he's not a guy that wants to. If he wants to get back early and start, you know, in the first couple of weeks, he needs the reps in the you know in the training camp to get going and get his feet under him. I think that'll be important. Maybe not right away, but at some point during training camp, I would not be shocked if you know we saw Von Miller out there. But you know, it, obviously, it all depends on the trainers. And what you know they believe. So, with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Now, I, you know, we're going to get to Gabe Davis and, and the receiver room now. Uh, obviously, my friends and people that know me, they think I'm some like Gabe Davis, like fanatic. Like, I, I think he's like, you know, the second, whatever, the best wide receiver doing football, which is not true. I think he's, you know, top 10, borderline top 10 in that area. Um, just you, you was, do have a Gabe Davis poster on your wall just to the left there, right? Like a big one that takes them. Isn't it one of those? No, to the left, like off camera. It's like one of those um, fat heads. 
<laughs> oh no, you don't. No, oh, I don't. Um, oh, I'm either. looking around. I'm looking around. Like what the heck? <laughs> um, I'm like, I don't have one of those. Uh, so just your thoughts on Gabe Davis and you know any any inkling or I know Deontay Hardy's look good, but it's also OTAs and many camp and he's a speedy guy. Um, when I saw Tank Dell down in you know Mobile for the Senior Bowl, I mean the guy was excellent, but he ended up dra- getting drafted in the third round just because of size and durability. Um, so just your thoughts on Shakir. Uh, you know, Gabe Davis, maybe a little Deontay Hardy. I know Trent Sherfield, Josh Allen spoke of highly. How's he looking? And just, you know, the wide receiver room behind Stephon Diggs. Yeah, like I think for me, Shakir is the guy that makes this really muddy because, and I'll talk about Gabe in a second, but like I, I mentioned this on, on our show and it's like you have like this, these five dudes, Trent Sherfield, Hardy, Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox, and Dalton Kincaid, who are going to be like scrapping for like any type of like target share beyond Davis and Diggs. And it's like you figure Kincaid gets a, a healthy amount. They just spent the draft capital on him. Knox is getting paid. Hardy is kind of getting paid. Like, go look at his deal. Like, he he didn't come in cheap, especially coming off of an injury. So, like, I think he's going to be able, they're going to want to try to utilize him in the offense. But Shakir, man, like, there's something about him. He reminds me of rookie and sophomore year Gabe Davis in the way that he, he you, you can't keep him off the field. Like he he finds a way to make plays. He to your point earlier, he's a great practice player. And then that transitions into the games. And so I think that like he's gonna find a way to get snaps and and probably targets because you know Josh trusts him. Like go back to the Cincinnati game. Everybody was struggling in that game. Khalil Shakir made a huge play that set up a touchdown, if you remember, down in the red zone there where I think it was like a 40-yard, 35-yard uh, uh, pass and, and catch. So um, I really like Shakir. Uh, the problem is there's so much competition, and they paid Hardy, which it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. With Davis, I'm more bullish on Davis today than I was a year ago. So maybe I guess join me, sign me up for the AJ Gabe uh, fan club or, wh- or whatever, whatever they're calling it out there in the streets. <laughs> I, I think he's probably a little bit pissed off for about the drops last year and the narrative that's, that's kind of been, ha- that's unfolded that it was kind of a flop when he finally got the number two job and it wasn't everything that everybody thought it was going to be no matter who you talk to. They come out and defend Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley. They've been very vocal on social media about it this offseason. And Davis is in a contract year. It reminds me a lot of like Tremaine Edmonds, what Ed Oliver was on track to be. Like when these guys get a chance to go get paid, like you're going to see the best version of himself. I I think like I don't know what the targets are going to look like. 154 for Diggs last year, 93 for Davis. Can they keep that up all while like integrating? all these new pieces in maybe we'll see. Uh, do they want to get the running backs more involved in the pass game? Is there an offensive role for Naheem Hines alongside James cook? Who's probably going to get a healthy amount of targets in the passing game, a lot on the plate of Ken Dorsey. And that's his own other conversation. But for Davis, I think he's coming in this year, pissed, ready to prove something. And also the pressure is kind of off in a lot of ways. All this 12 personnel talk there, you know, teams are going to have to try to defend that, you know, teams are going to have to deal with Deontay Hardy's speed and Trent Sherfield's run after the catch ability when he's on the field. I don't know how teams are going to be able to focus in on Gabe. And when teams weren't able to do that, his first two years, 
that's when he was really, really good. So I'm really bullish on Gabe Davis in, in year four. Um, and I think it's probably why if Brandon Bean can find a number he likes, you want to get that deal done before this season starts and he ascends even further and that price tag goes way up. Right. And and right now, uh, Matt, I think he's, you know, Alan has already got 11 million a year uh, with the Jets. I think he probably would get a little more just because the Bills drafted him and he, you know, he's done a lot for them. But I think, you know, the Gabe Davis conversation has been happening all offseason and I've kind of tried to work through it in my head of where, like, why some people are, you know, feel this way about him and why some people feel this way about him. I think it comes down to the expectation after the 13 second game where he had over 200 yards and four touchdowns. The people that aren't fans of Gabe Davis say, dude, it was just one game. Like that's all you did. And then the fan, like the people that, and those same people though also don't realize they're holding Gabe Davis to a standard, like going into 2022, I feel like Gabe Davis was, you know, had such a high standard because of what he did to end the season last year. So like, that's where it's like, they're also playing the game of, yeah, Gabe Davis only had one good game, but at the same time, your expectations were probably higher because of that. So that's where, like, you know, he had a good season. He had over 800 yards. He had a high ankle injury. Um, You know, he has inconsistencies. They do need him this year. Like, I think he is the most important piece on this roster because you can't – you can't – it can't always be Allen and Diggs. People have proven in the playoffs they can stop them. It's going to have to be the other guys. So I think Gabe Davis is the most important piece of this offense. If he – if he takes that step forward, like I expect him to, I think the sky's the limit. The conversation about Dorsey's different. The conversation about the whole offense is different. If he doesn't, deals with injuries, takes a step back, is inconsistent. I think there's, you know, a narrative that Gabe Davis could be gone and Ken Dorsey could also be on the hot seat uh, because people are, you know, fed up with him already when he was one of the best offenses in the league. And, um, you know, that that's what it's going to keep coming and coming. So that's kind of my, my thought on the whole Gabe thing. Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty well said. And I think that no matter what, the Bills are set up this year offensively to have better plans B, C, D, E, and F for this offense as the season plays out, right? Because I think a lot of what went wrong for them down the stretch last year was like, okay, teams are playing us a little bit differently. We can't get out of it. They're they're taking Stefan Diggs out of the out of the game. And Dorsey didn't have any answers. And I think if anything probably intensified this week, it's like behind closed doors, I'd imagine that those coaching conversations, which were no doubt already happening all off season long, you know, Dorsey learned a lot last year. And I'd imagine he, he applied a lot of that in, you know, uh, the course of OTAs and mini, rookie minicamp and then and, and minicamp. And I think that's part of why, when Josh came back and said he was so focused on football and he made it a point to be there throughout all this process, they're determined to get it right and figure out a way to punch back when teams land, when defenses land shots on them. Um, I think Gabe Davis has a really good chance to be a big part of it. And one, you know, he's got to stay healthy though, AJ. Like that's the, that's the thing that we don't talk enough about, about Gabe is like every year he's had something like even when he had those really good playoff games as a rookie, like if you remember the Indianapolis Colts game, the Bills don't win without some of his really timely catches mm-hmm. in a very close game against the Colts. Like that's when he, you know, brought out those toe tap plays. I think it was two in that game that were just yep. sensational. But he was dealing with an ankle injury then. He's had lower body injury issues for all three seasons. They got to find a way to keep him healthy. That's going to be huge. 
Yeah, Matt. Um, I'm 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 gonna wrap up with you. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Tell people where you can find you. Um, obviously you're over at Syracuse.com, the uh, Bills Beat Reporter. You do awesome stuff. Your articles are great. You know, all training camp. This guy grinds content every day. I'm sure I'll see him there. So, Matt, just talk a little bit about you yourself and what you uh, are. You know, what's coming up, and you know, obviously you have exciting things coming up, wing nuts. So, talk all about that. Yeah, June 23rd, come out. I heard from a little birdie that. AJ Sabalski is going to be in the house. That's probably worth the price of admission just in and of itself. June 23rd, 8 p.m. Live episode of Shout out at Wingnuts. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. The patio's open. The, the beers are flowing. The wings are delicious. They do this thing, AJ. I don't know if you've tried it yet. It's a wing flight where you can get 12 wings, six sauces on, on the flight. And they put two wings in each little compartment. It's to die for. So... I can't wait to see you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll see you soon. Later, dude. Later. All right, guys. That was Bill's beat reporter, Matt Perino. Hopefully he get, was able to give you some insight inside the Bill's locker room for mandatory minicamp. Um, you know, that's kind of it for me. Uh, I'm going to wrap up. Obviously, this is the new thing for me. Um, this is what I'm going to be doing every week. This is what I've wanted to do every week for my whole life. And I'm finally, you know, happy and that I'm able to do it. Um, so I think – Everyone for tuning in. The, the chat was crazy. I'm going to get better with that. Um, reading the chat and articulating my thought. That, that's the thing I'll, I'll take away from this show. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed the content. Um, you know, the dig stuff, like I said, this is the last thing I'll say about it. There's more There's more go to find digs than bad. And, and, and you can be frustrated with the way he handles things. You can be frustrated and upset with the, the diva mentality or the he wants to be the, you know, the alpha in the room. But at the end of the day, um, he's changed the course of the franchise. He's been, you know, the safe spot for Josh Allen. He's always been there for him. He's motivated him. He's been a leader for the team. Um, thanks, guys. Sarah, thank you. My dad, thank you. Donna, thank you. Um, so it is – it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think it's done yet. I still think that, you know, the the narrative – could reappear uh, down the road, but for now, everything's cool. The tension's gone. Stefan Diggs is a Buffalo bill. He's not going anywhere. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. This was uh, Aegis analysis episode one. Um, if you guys could like, and subscribe, that'd greatly help uh, and support the channel, uh, Buffalo rumblings. Um, and I also want to thank Buffalo rumblings for the opportunity. Being here today was great. Uh, it's truly a dream come true. And uh, I'll see you guys next time.